it's in here, I say, and I'm about to tell her that I'll wait for her, that I'll show her around after if she wants, but she's already moving away. Okay, thanks, yeah, she says. See you later. The door swings shut behind her. Edie. Edie. I turn the word over and over in my mind on the walk home, trying it out for size, tucking it away for safekeeping like it's a precious locket on a fine gold chain. Heather? Heather! Heather! My head snaps upwards, and I look around my bedroom in a daze. How long had it been this time? Heather! My mother's voice, its note of irritation rising as she calls me from the kitchen, propels me to my feet. I look around myself for clues. I'm dressed in my school uniform, my bag of books by my desk. It's light outside, but definitely an evening sort of light, I think. Slowly it comes back to me. It had been the last day of term before exams started. I had returned home from school and come up here to begin my revision, and then... It must have just happened. The way it sometimes does, and I never know why. Almost as though I fall asleep while I'm wide awake. It usually happens when I'm upset or angry, like the time with Daniel Jones, the boy who'd bullied me all through primary. I hadn't even known I'd hit him till I saw the blood. A jumble of my classmates' voices, past and present, crowds in on me, mingling to make one long mocking hiss. What's wrong with you? Why do you stare like that, weirdo, fucking freak? I shake my head to clear it. My dad collects clocks, and there are hundreds of them in our house, all ticking at once, like the air is shivering, chattering its teeth. I listen, and sure enough, after a few moments, there it is, the clanging jangle of dings and dongs as they all strike the hour at once. I count to seven. Tea time, then. My mother's never late. The thought of her downstairs, sat at the kitchen table, waiting to begin grace, jolts me into action. Coming! I shout. I'm coming! Downstairs, Dad sits at the kitchen table reading aloud from a newspaper article about geological engineering. Mum moves around the kitchen, not listening to him, transferring plates of food from the worktop to the table in front of us. I watch her, trying to gauge her mood, but she puts the last plate down and, without looking at me, sits and begins to pray. Sometimes, Mum reminds me of the lake where we used to go camping back home in Wales. I'd wade through its water on hot summer days, occasionally chancing upon inexplicable pockets of ice cold, before blundering further into a shallower, warmer patch. I'd stay there for as long as possible, wallowing in the sunny warmth until the touch of slimy seaweed or the thought of eels or dead fish slipping past my ankles would make me panic and press on. Being with Mum is like that sometimes. You never know where the cold pockets are, or what's there waiting for you in the warmer spells. Heather! My mother stops mid-prayer, and I realise too late that I've been absent-mindedly picking at the tomato salad. Sorry, I say, and feel myself redden. Sometimes I do this thing to help me sleep. Pretend that everything's as it was before, that I am six again, and Lydia three, and we're all still okay. I imagine Lydia's hand in mine as we run together in the garden of our old house, and hear her laughter as I fall asleep. As if to rescue me from my thoughts, the face of the girl I'd met that afternoon pops into my head, and I feel a sort of light lifting in my heart. Edie. Frampton's a horrible town. I shouldn't say that, but it's true. We moved here from Wales when I was ten. A fresh start, Mum said. After what happened, people in our village who I'd known all my life suddenly looked differently at me when I passed them in the street, 
or else swoop down on my parents like big black greedy crows, cawing sympathy, pecking for answers. Eventually, Mum and Dad stopped doing the things they used to do. Slowly, bit by bit, Mum pulled out of choir practice, her book group, organising school fates. Except for church on Sundays, she barely left the house at all. Dad carried on teaching at the boys' school across the valley, but at home he found refuge in his study, mending his clocks and reading his books. I guess from the outside it might have looked like we were shutting out the world to find comfort in each other, but it wasn't like that at all. My mum and dad cleaved like a stricken tree, me like a lost squirrel hopping between the two halves. Dad had never looked at me in the same way after it happened, and mum didn't either, but it was different with her. With mum I knew in my heart that she wished it was Lydia who had come home safe and sound that day, not me. So when they told me one evening after supper that Dad had been offered a new job in an English town 160 miles away, that it meant a promotion and a bigger house...